This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Miss Evie Oddly. <laughs> howdy, howdy. I don't know how much of a miss I am right now, but I'll take it. <laughs> you look very relaxed. I love the green hair. Thank you. It's uh, so I don't ever lose myself in the mirror. Well, that's the good color then. Have you had, I mean, I've actually had other color hair myself. I've never had green, but I've had like blue and had pink. You had like every color hair. I'm slowly working my way across the rainbow. It's just, I find myself attracted to like unnatural, shocking or obnoxious colors. (laughs) I like this color. I like it. Where, Where are you in the world? Where are you? I am currently at my residence in Denver, Colorado, in my little workshop, in the only clean part of my life. (laughs) I love it. Well, I mean, so this is earlier in the morning for you, so thanks for joining me early. It's okay. I'm actually an early riser, so I'm about to take my midday nap in an hour or two. (laughs) I am such an early riser, too. I used to, I mean, I've gotten later now. I used to get up at like 4 a.m. every day and like... Yeah, that's me. That is that is where I'm at for no good reason whatsoever. <laughs> do, you, do you go to bed early though, or you just don't sleep? I go to bed early, but that's not on purpose oh. either. It's just it's something that actually kind of just happened over quarantine as I just kept going to bed early and earlier because there was nothing to do at night. <laughs> me too. Well, I just getting up so early, you're like exhausted. And then I have friends calling me like at 11 p.m. and I'm like no I'm calling you back now at 6 a.m. because I was asleep at 11 so now I'm gonna wake your ass off I'm like it's 6 a.m. come on like I got a lot to say now you know (laughs) are you from color you're from Colorado originally right yeah conceived born and raised (laughs) so how's that did you love growing up in Colorado I mean, uh, for the longest of times, I had never really known a whole lot else. I, I have had a few opportunities in my life to travel, but I'd never really seen a whole lot. But yeah, I love it. I'm biased. I'm still here. <laughs> That's good. And I read somewhere, this is true, that you, like at a young age, would like wear your mother's clothes and wear your sister's clothes. And that's kind of how, like you, I mean, was that... well. Is is that true, first of all? Let's start with there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, like, uh, uh, earlier than I would call drag, because for me, that was just me being like, oh, that skirt is so cute, and that makeup looks so fun to put on. I'm so jealous. And just doing it, but... <laughs> I love it. And, like, did you know at the time? Because, like, I mean, you know, that can mean a lot of things when you're wearing your mother's clothes. Like, did you know, like, that had nothing to do with drag at the time, right? Yeah, no. I mean, I knew I knew that I liked wearing heels and I knew that I liked like dressing up and I knew that those were not things that were okay for boys to do. So I kind of knew that that was something I just had to like 
keep my own little secret that my mom could know about, I guess. Right. And your mother and sister were like totally supportive, like as far as that goes. I mean, my mom was. My sister would always get angry at me for stealing her shit, but. <laughs> She's like, don't touch my shit. Bitch. Yeah, yep. Serious fights. Like, where, why are you wearing my necklace? I don't care how fabulous you look. Give me that shit back. <laughs> that's good though that your mother was supportive of it because you know not everyone's parents would be yeah I mean she was supportive of it but I think she it was just a sign of the times the way that she also kind of wanted to protect me from the world and knew that like those those parts of myself were things that she had no issue with but if for my own safety or, or peace of mind or whatever was something I shouldn't really do outside of the house Right. What about like high school? As you can see, I like to start at the beginning and get to know someone. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> my day of conception was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, high school. I, like what, what about it? Was it like, did you love high school? Like, were you like bullied for being quote unquote what kids probably perceived to be different? I mean, I, I was bullied in high school. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, I uh, actually spent most of my middle and high school experiences at an art school, which was known for having a lot of a lot of gay kids, a lot of queer kids. So I was actually. Did you freeze on me? Terrible. Why are Ah. they being so extra? Stop wearing dresses to school. Ah, right. Like, uh, uh, after, I'd say, like, six years of just, like, trying to deny that part of myself and to deny, like, any freedom of expression in that sort of manner, just the the switch flipped. (laughs) You're like, it's just not going to work. Yeah, no. So when did you, like, start doing drag? Like, it was in Colorado when you were young? Um, I mean, it was uh, when I was 18, I had moved out of the house and therefore felt safe enough to like buy heels and do whatever I want. Cause I'm an adult. I can like eat breakfast for dinner and I can, I can wear women's clothing if I want to. So totally, that was kind of where it all started. And like, did you start entering like local competitions and saying like, Oh, I could win money. Like, you know, like why, you know, like, was that a motivation I mean, that definitely was, if not a motivation, then some of the only opportunities that were available for me at the time, especially not being 21. So the only nights that really existed for 18 and up baby queens were like, try this competition and win a bar tab of Red Bull. (laughs) Which when you're 18 is like, yeah. Fierce. That's all I needed. So yeah, that's, that's like the competition it has always been just a really driving factor for me in general uh, outside of drag, but without being the only opportunity for me to kind of get a start in drag, those were definitely what, what were the beginning of my career. And then were you good in the beginning or did you just have no idea of what you were doing? I mean, we all get better as we go on. I, I think that's, <laughs> yes. Uh, needless to say, uh, but I the way I felt about drag and the way I felt about myself and carried myself was like I know that even if like my makeup isn't the best right now that 
I have so much to offer and I have such a, a different perspective that I believe I'm going to win. So even though that was not necessarily always the case in the beginning, like I lost my fair share of competitions. I ultimately never quit. I came back and slowly worked my way up through the scenes, being one of the fiercest, fiercest bitches we had, like, at the time. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I could see that. And then one of your early inspirations I read somewhere was Sharon Needles. Is this true? I mean, for me, it's not even necessarily that she was an inspiration as much as she was, like, the awakening that... Like the the key to unlock the door of me feeling comfortable actually doing drag because I had been I had been introduced to drag for a while uh, like even even in high school I had watched Drag Race but it had never really resonated with me because well to be quite quite frank it was because of a lot of transphobic thoughts I had about like why would a man want to dress up as a woman that is so terrible. But after, like, breaking those down, especially the the way I'd say that Sharon was helpful for me was seeing that drag was an art form as much as it it could be a means of expression, which in turn helped me break down a lot of my misperceptions about gender identity and expression. That's interesting. And before that, you thought, why would a man want to do drag? Well, yeah, exactly. Especially because the the culture at the time was definitely not as kind to to drag performers as it is now. Like it was something that was definitely to be shameful of. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then also with Sharon Needles, because, you know, she's not the most conventional, you know, as far as like, you know, was that like an eye opener that like, oh, you don't need to look like Naomi Smalls or be like a runway queen well, to, to well, do and that, successful that's what i mean when i i say that she like for me opened my eyes to the fact that drag is an art form because even though there were like plenty of very strong artists and drag performers on in the three seasons prior to her for me it took something that dramatically left of center to shift my perspective and be like oh wait these aren't just men dressing up in dresses like there is more there's characters that can go to this. There's concepts. There's like whole alternate realities. Drag is just a dress up for adults. And Sharon helped help me flip that switch within myself. So I was like, okay, well, now the world of drag is ready for me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then did you just start going out and just making, you know, your look is one of, I mean, I think one of the more, artistic you know it's 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 out there and I mean that like in a good way <laughs> so like and I know you use like a lot of like unconventional material so like how did all that so how do you see Sharon and then just go and kind of put it all together I mean it it really was all of both my background with having gone to an art school and having been trained so long to try and think like an artist and think creatively and approach everything I do with that mindset. Wanting to have a voice in the queer community that so far I wasn't finding any space for myself in as, as like a twinky black thing. Like, so uh, it was all of that and then only having these limited resources 
available to me. Like I was working minimum wage jobs, going to school part time. Like drag for me was just like like painting a painting or 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 or, or writing a song or something. It was my way of being able to just make a piece of art, which is essentially what ultimately catapulted me to where I'm at today. And what people got to see of me on Drag Race was me as an artist, just laying out my portfolio for one exhibition being like, and this piece is called Garbage Bags. Like, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, how'd you come up with the name? How'd you come up with your name? Um, I'm, uh, I had a few other drag names before Evie, but in in like my third year of drag when I was finally almost 21 and realized that I could have potential to take this a lot more seriously than just being my side outlet, um, I decided to start thinking about like what drag actually meant to me instead of just playing dress up. And people kept calling my performances weird. So I worked really hard to come up with a pun for even and odd, and I don't think it really landed, but that's how I got Evie Oddly. <laughs> Interesting. So Evie was supposed to be even-ish. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I like, I, like, I like weird letters, and apparently I didn't ever want anyone to pronounce my name right, so I just spelled it, spelled it all fucked up. <laughs> I love it. What what were some of the other names that didn't land or didn't make the final cut? Um actually Evie Oddly was the it was like I was just fucking around with even and odd. So it was like Eve and Otter. Ev- Evelyn Ot Oddish. Uh, so you know wow. Evie Evie Oddly was where I came. Before that, I was Avon Eve. Before that, I was Avon LaRue. And like, just a, a bunch of Avons. I was really sold on being a cheap makeup company. <laughs> Avon works. Someone should take that name. That, like, works. Yeah, they sh- that somebody else should. I just wasn't ready to wear the mantle of somebody who's trying to sell makeup at your door for the rest of my career. Right. <laughs> and Evie, oddly, that it, it all makes sense now, you know? What so when was the first time like you said like when you were like oh I could do this as a career like was there one like defining moment like did something happen or it just was like a culmination of everything? Um. Uh, well, we had talked a little bit about competitions, but there's this one specific competition that in Denver was the biggest thing that you could do. It ran adjacent to RuPaul's Drag Race every single year, so. Uh, like and it was the big show-stopping spectacle that opened doors and allowed you to perform at all the bars and really got your name in people's mouths and the year prior I had auditioned for the first time and was like oh I'm gonna come out and kill this and like even Nina Flowers was one of the judges there and was like oh my god this bitch is amazing loca and then I didn't even get chosen for the competition so it was actually that rejection that fueled me and was like Oh, I cannot believe these bitches don't see in me what I see in me. That forced me to like rethink everything. I worked hard that year to polish my drag so that the next year I would be able to enter this competition and finally stave my own way in the scene. And that's what happened. And I won that year. (laughs) There you go. That's like sweet revenge. 
It, w- it was it was sweet revenge. <laughs> I love it. What about like your like when you were pu- pulling this all together for that year? Like who are like your fashion and like music inspirations? Um, I mean my my fashion and music inspirations uh, were what they remain to be today, which is just looking for the things that I don't see everybody doing, or if I see everybody doing it, trying to add a new twist or a new meaning onto it so for me like back then deant word was really big because drag queens were only performing like Nicki minaj and beyonce and shakira and this and that so i was like i want something that's like freaky but still has like a beat that the gays can dance to because that's important the gays the gays need their music to dance to right so how did you how did season 11 like how did that come about for you for drag race did you apply before that or that was the first time yeah i had uh i had applied before that that was my third year and it was actually basically the year after I won the competition, I was like, well, now that I've done this, I'm ready for more. (laughs) So I just like kept applying for drag race and kept trying to push my limits and grow as an artist. I I tried to work nationally, nationally before and just kept running into barriers of not having enough followers on social media. So that's that was ultimately my driving goal was not even necessarily to get on Drag Race, but just to expand my platform and be able be able to share my art with more than just the scene that I had already conquered. <laughs> well, I mean, you did conquer it because you won that competition. <laughs> Is that what happens? Like if you apply for something national, they literally are like, okay, who's this Evie? Oh, she has 4,000 followers. That's not enough. Like it literally works like that. I mean, there are there are ways around it, and I had we I had seen a few of Denver's like strongest per, or traveling queens able to build some success, but for the most part, it's like you're you're doing it all on your own budget, and you're doing it for tip spots in the hope that they'll want to bring you back someday. And I found myself when I was applying to those, I almost never got responded to nearly as much as our skinny blonde white queens who uh, were out traveling nationally. Really? Uh Uh-huh. But I also know that that could just be the fact that I do a different type of drag and I didn't have, I didn't have the numbers to back it up. (laughs) Interesting. You don't think it had anything to do with them? The fact that they were skinny blonde white I think that was I think that was a part of why they had the numbers to back it up in the first place like specifically because I know how hard I worked in all of my career to show people my voice and how long it took for people to like turn around their ideas of what they expected from a black queen and what they expected from queens in general and performers in general so uh, I mean, I know it was definitely a part of it. <laughs> was it always drag race for you? Like, did you always, as you were kind of pulling all this together, was it always like you're you were just going to keep going until you got onto drag race? I mean, I was going to keep going for it specifically because I believe I believe that I am a great artist, and I believe that I had the potential to do amazing things with a bigger platform. 
And I also just really love competition. Yes, honk your horn. I can't believe you can hear that. So this is what happens in New York City. And by the way, I'm like up really high too. It's not even like I'm not. <laughs> but it's so funny. Every time I'm on a Zoom with someone, they're like, oh, are there fire trucks? I'm like, how can you hear that? So it's just funny. I, this just shows you like when you're from New York, you're so oblivious to what's going on outside. And I'm like, no, it's true. Like fire trucks could be speeding by and I could be like, oh yeah, you're right. But yes, it was just a horn. Wow. I'm I like, just love oh, yeah. it. That's why I love New York. There's so I feel like I can just disappear into the chaos there. <laughs> Did you ever live anywhere other than Colorado? No, not not yet. <laughs> you would like living in New York. I mean, I guess I guess vaguely I lived in Vegas for like four months you did you did <laughs> I was supposed to be longer <laughs> we're gonna talk about that because we have to that's a whole yes I have a lot to say about that so I mean is there this well how important is it for an up-and-coming baby queen to be on drag race you know what I mean like it's a different thing now like is that just kind of like everyone's goal like I don't think it is everyone's goal, nor do I think it should be everyone's goal. I think the goal is ultimately to be a queer artist in this world and to have a voice and to be able to get that voice out to the masses. And especially in the age of social media, there's so many other avenues that uh, aren't reliant upon making it onto a reality TV show. But it is like one of those avenues and I think it is one of the most highly publicized avenues especially since it kind of helped rebuild uh, drag culture as we see it now in including the branch into social media so I think it's not something that everybody wants and I don't think it's something that everybody needs but uh, I think it has been a useful tool and as long as it continues to be forward thinking and show uh like the queer stories that need it most and the artists who are really out there fighting and making some beautiful art then it'll continue to be a tool is that how you think it's changed the drag community you know like i mean it's won all these emmys like what do you think drag race like has done for the drag community i mean uh i like i mean this in the kindest of ways fucking emmy like, uh, fuck the nice, polite, straight world that finally wants to give us a, a little bit of credit for all the shit we've always been doing. What it did for me was show me that there was a community, that there were opportunities, and most importantly, that I was worth something. Like, even as a little twinkling, just getting to watch RuPaul occasionally whenever my parents were asleep, I saw a space for myself that I hadn't seen before and that. I know Rue has personally been working to to carve out since since before I was created. So, you know, I I think it is an important tool. It's just it's also difficult right now because the queer community is so much broader than has been captured on such a major platform and and we're always going to continue to push for more representation and uh, more stories told. This is just a question of my, I mean, this might be a dumb question, but like, are there any straight, like where are the straight men? I mean, I'm, I, I understand this is, but like, aren't there straight men that want to be queens? I, I know a few. Really? <laughs> yeah, I know a number of straight drag queens. 
Uh, I mean, that's the thing is, I don't know what their their, uh, end goal with drag is. I don't, I don't know if like they want to be on drag race. I don't know if they're just doing this because they enjoy it, but like, I do think there, there is somebody who identifies as every single thing out there who is into drag, who is doing it, and who loves the art form because it really is for everyone if you're just willing to commit yourself to it and let go of taking your identity seriously for a second. I mean, I just think you have to be a pretty unhappy person if you don't love a good queen, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it like I think I think drag is so magical because it is the art of identity. It's the art of what we do every day. It's just actually dissecting it and having a little fun with it. I think so. Were you like ecstatic after you got drag race? Like was any part of you like second guessing it? Like maybe I shouldn't do this. Um no. I wasn't I wasn't second guessing it, but you know, there is with every good thing that comes in life, there is some difficult adjustment and some bad that comes along with it. So as ecstatic as I was for the opportunity to be able to compete on drag race and to get to show my art at this level, I also mourned like the life that I had knowing that everything was going to switch the second they announced my name in the cast. What, like being anonymous and just living a nice... Being a person, being seen as a person, because like that's that's the one reservation I had even about applying to Drag Race is I've never liked the way our celebrity culture works, especially having grown up in the age of watching people do their best to, to dehumanize and destroy our our idols that we decided to create. Like, Britney, Britney Spears did not make herself our idol. We were like, oh my God, this teenage girl is amazing. Let us give her everything. Let's follow her every move. And then I grew up in the age where it was people like actively destroying people like her simply for being an idol. So... I've never really liked the way our culture deals with celebrities and I was very apprehensive about like possibly thrusting myself into becoming some sort of one. <laughs> that makes, listen, I think this is, I always talk about this topic. Like, so you never got, like, did you, you never were like a fangirl type? Like, were you uh, ever, that just, uh, you never... I don't, I don't, that, and that's the hardest I mean, question that's good. for, like, me to answer, because it sounds snobby when, when people ask, like, who are your idols? Who are your inspirations? And you're like, me. I'm my idol. I am my inspiration, because I, I think that we are all amazing human beings, and I don't need to put somebody else on some platform to see that myself. I'll admit it, as important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. 
They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. And if you think about it, like Brittany, okay, is a changed person, you're a changed person, but like you're still the same human being. So it's like, right, like why do we put Brittany up here and Joe Schmo that nobody knows about in the world is down here. Well, and it's just, it's such a strange, like, world to me to imagine that people don't understand how weird it is we treat celebrities. Like, I I cannot um, imagine people acting the way they do with other random people in their lives, on the streets, the way they do with celebrities. Like, you have so many amazing fucking people in your life who work hard to be in your life, who like probably love you to death and you would blow them off because you saw like some, somehow you never met on the street. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't like that idea. I agree with you. It's very, it's a topic I talk about all the time. It's a, you just said it exactly. Like it's a very, like you would push these people that you know that will be at your funeral and on your deathbed Mm. When you're on your deathbed, these people will be there and you'll push them out of the way to run to see Brittany across the street who doesn't even know you're alive. It's weird. It's a weird concept. I need to talk to you guys about Apostrophe. It's a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne seriously. Now, here's the thing you guys know. Prescription acne treatment really works, but it's hard to get. You have to take time off work, go see a doctor, sit in line at the pharmacy and wait for your medications. Not anymore. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board-certified dermatologist online. You get treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. All you have to do is fill out their online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history. Then you snap a few selfies, how fun is that, and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored just for you. It treats acne, but Apostrophe does a lot more than just that. They also can help you with your other skincare goals, like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. I filled out the survey. Of course, my... I was concerned with wrinkles. So that's why I went on, filled out the survey. Literally, somebody got in touch with me so quickly. The medicine arrived right to my front door. I've already started using it. It's just as simple as that. And you don't even have to leave your home. Listen, you get $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash velvet. So go to apostrophe.com slash velvet and use the code velvet. This code is only available to all of you who are listening to this podcast. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash velvet and click begin visit. Then use the code velvet at sign up and you get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe.com slash velvet. Use the code velvet to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. It really is so easy. I'm so glad I found Apostrophe. 
It's for acne, it's for wrinkles, it's for dark spots, really any of your skincare goals. That's apostrophe.com slash velvet. Use the code velvet at checkout and you get $15 off. Yeah, it's it's just strange. So that's definitely what my biggest apprehension was. And that's, those are what my biggest growing pains in getting on Drag Race and winning and trying to still make a career for myself and stay in love with with the art. <laughs> Are you shocked, like, when people, you know, treat you, quote-unquote, now as a celebrity? Because, like, you're recognizable, they're slipping into your DMs, they follow your every move on social media. I mean, you're still the same person. I mean, yeah, that's... Uh, the thing is, I don't think I'm shocked anymore. I was shocked that, like, especially with how overnight drag race happens it like slaps you across the face with suddenly now everybody knows you uh, like I don't, I'm not shocked anymore but I have found myself like it's harder and harder for me to like play a character who is humble about it because I don't give a shit like I don't I don't care I really am appreciative that so many people I have gotten to see my art but that's all I've ever done this for is to have people see my art I don't care what tv you saw me on I don't care how you feel about me as a person or my voice or my opinions and I know that might be selfish but as an artist I only ever want people to look at my art <laughs> I I mean that makes sense to me it's like your job like you do you know what I mean like I it's get my it. job and it's my passion and it's what I actually put my energy into. So it just like, it's a weird concept for me that people would care about like even me instead of like Evie. Like the, the fact that when I decided to tell people I was in a relationship, like my boyfriend got thousands of followers. I'm like, that has nothing to do <laughs> with like what what you even followed me for i don't know it's just so weird it's weird does does your does your boyfriend think it was weird when all of a sudden overnight he had thousands more followers <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and sometimes we still sit together and reflect on the weird things that happen when you're even in the life of somebody famous <laughs> yeah do you was Drag Race harder for you than you thought? Easier? Just what you thought? Um, I, it was just what I thought. and But that's only because I knew it was going to be the hardest thing I had ever done. And it was. <laughs> day after day, week after week. Even, even up until it's airing. Even through all of that. It's just, it is a trial. But it's the hardest thing I ever did. And it's the hardest thing I ever wanted to do. <laughs> when you got there, you know, were you like, oh shit, these girls are good? Or were you like, no, I'm pretty, I'm going to win. I'm going to go far. Or were you just like, was it ever like, did you know? I'm just curious. Like, you're not going to sound obnoxious if you say you knew. Uh, no, it was this like weird in between of, I don't know. It just felt like it wasn't real. Like when I, I remember when we all walked in on that first day in the workroom and we're all sitting around the table, I was like, wait, really? These are the drag race girls I'm competing against? This is my seat. Hey, why are there so many of us? 
and and like who the and b why are all of these bitches like so basic looking literally literally my thoughts just like oh my god what are they but c oh my god they're going to kick my ass because they're basic looking in all of the ways that basic people like like they're sparkly their gowns fit they all have big hair and lots of jewelry and look super expensive so I never thought necessarily out of the gate I was gonna win but I was like oh my god are you fucking kidding me is this real (laughs) you're like everyone looks alike well, I mean, not even necessarily that they all looked al- alike. It's just like there were uh, so many pageant queens in the room. There were so many queens in general. And then there was, I will also admit, there was a part of me that was like, am I just like being used as a tool to sell black people to the fans? Because like there are seven of us and I'm proud of being on the season that has the most black queens ever but is it just like tokenism Uh, am i just here to be the weird black one and whether or not that was the case bitch is what got me where i am i guess seriously (laughs) so were you completely shocked when you won or yeah oh oh yeah especially because having gone through that entire competition having learned how having a voice on social media influences things and going up against, uh, like, more specifically Brooklyn, who had so many things that were going in her favor, that it made it the closest race I ever felt in my life. I, like, I was shocked when I won. But elated, I imagine. Like, thrilled. Yes. I, I mean, uh, it took some time to get to elated. I was... I was excited because the part of me that wanted to do the competition specifically to win, like, got satisfied. But that part of me had entered this competition, like, a year and some change ago. And the part of me that won was the part of me that had to see how social media deals with, like, all of my sisters. And so I was actually going through, like, a weird bout of survivor's guilt for... (laughs) Really? Yeah. Like, how so? Like, what do you mean? Um, I don't know. It, it felt weird to be the representative of our season. Like, when people will go back and talk about the seasons, whether or not they liked me, whether or not they think I should have won, it's my season. I won it. And it felt weird having seen all of these girls who put so much work and some of them who were getting treated absolutely horribly by fans who didn't realize that these moments only happen in a snippet of time and are broadcast forever and ever. I I just had survivor's guilt, especially because I knew that I wasn't going to be the queen that the fans wanted of me. Like, that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to people please. I wasn't there to people please in the competition. And so I knew that it would ruffle some feathers. (laughs) I love it. Did it ever go to your head? You know, like you talk about celebrity and how we put, like, did it, it sounds like it didn't, like it never, like, did it ever go to your head? Like, you know, I'm Evie and I have all these new followers now and look at me and, you know, like, did you ever go there? Like. The reason I didn't go there and for anybody who doesn't think I'm humble now is because I never was humble. 
I've always known what I'm worth and I've never gauged what I'm worth by the number of followers I have, like whether or not I won the goddamn competition. Uh, I uh, like whether or not I competed because I've always believed in my own innate potential to do great things. And I'm just going to fight really hard to do them because the world is trying so hard to tell you no. And I think you have to still be human along the way and realize that other people are, are trying to do the same thing. And if you can find that balance, then, then you're probably a winner, baby. <laughs> what was it like dealing with RuPaul? Like, what were your interactions with RuPaul when you met RuPaul? I mean, it, was, it, it really was strange because she has so much presence she like it, it doesn't hurt that she just naturally is six foot thirty thousand yeah uh like and she just has such commanding energy that you want to like sit and listen you want to be in on the joke and you like want to be an active participant so i don't know for i was like incredibly nervous for the longest period of time in interacting with her um eventually it's kind of like worn away now I just see she's like a really busy really hard working person who knows what she wants and knows knows how to like get it done <laughs> what about the other judges like did you have a favorite Michelle I, I like Mich I in case people didn't watch my season I love a harsh critic I love somebody who keeps it real and I like Michelle because half of the fights I got in with the girls were me telling the girls what Michelle was going to say and then Michelle saying it. Really? <laughs> you, so you would say like during the competitions, like Michelle's going to say this, she's not going to like, and then she would literally say pretty much that. Yeah, because wow. Michelle, Michelle just like cuts through bullshit. And yes, it is still just an opinion. So no, her opinions are not always in uh, matching up with what everybody else's are. But I feel like she more than anyone has this strangely clear perspective on like how to help people grow if they're willing to take it in the form of some harsh advice. Like it's never going to feel nice, <laughs> unfortunately, but it's going to help you really discover what else you could be trying to do out in the world, even if it's, even if it's just a try. She would be my favorite too. So I think that's a good choice. Uh, Who is your least favorite? Um, I think, I think we had, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Candy Burt. Bur, you had Candy Burt. Real Housewife of Atlanta, baby. A, I don't give a shit about the Real Housewives because I don't, I don't like to spend my time watching mind-numbing drivel about people fake fighting for, for TV, even if I'm participating on people fake fighting for TV. But- You're not though, it's a different type of, it's, I don't think the girls on RuPaul's Drag Race really fight. But the reason I did not like her is because she was, she just like took me and it's pers all personal, it's all my own personal insecurities, but she took me back to the little kids who used to bully me for being a little too weird. Like I went, I remember she was the judge for the week that I went down the runway feeling so beautiful and so like, like 
put together and so poised and her critiques for me were like you know you're like that one goofy friend at the party who like everyone is trying to wrangle in like she dances weird and you're just always gonna be goofy and she didn't say it in an endearing way she was like you're the weird girl and i don't really understand why you're being so weird and i was like how dare you attack me for my weirdness I can't believe this bitch. Like, I ranted about it for an hour and untucked. <laughs> did you, I mean, first of all, did you feel like saying to Candy, like, well, sweetie, have you, I mean, where have you been? I mean, I know the show's not airing, but you're like, of course I'm <sighs> the weird one. Yeah, but it just felt like such an attack for me specifically because, and it's like, it's deeply charged, but I always hated it where when, specifically i was like when i feel like i'm closed out by my own community and so i hate it when gay people tell me that i'm too black for them and i hate it when black people tell me that i'm not presenting black right enough for them and underneath her comments even though she never said it that's the intention of like what i felt there because the other the other black girls who were in the competition who like were who speak the right way and like walk the right way. She was like, oh, you're gorgeous. You're stunning. You're, you're doing everything right. And this is the one week I tried to like normalify myself for the judges. And she was like, you're just goofy. And I can tell there's something that's not real about you. So it struck me. <laughs> it still strikes me to this day. Fuck that mindset. Fuck it. Did you interact with Candy backstage? I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't think so. I was, if she came backstage, I literally blanked it out because I was seeing red. (laughs) Especially because I'm pretty sure that week I also had plenty of fighting to do too. Interesting. What about how was Miley Cyrus? I don't care. I like, uh, I appreciate that Miley loves the gays. I didn't care when she was there. Um, and I also have very strong opinions about the fact that she decided to make a cool hip hop album that was going to be cool for the gays and then would later claim that she hates hip hop because it's misogynistic and blame her ability to tolerate all of that on smoking pot. That is a bunch of bullshit. That's like three bullshits all wrapped up in a perfect bullshit pile, but I wasn't allowed to say that to her. So I just had to not care. (laughs) I'm sure you aren't I mean are you guys given like instructions before certain judges come like here's Miley like don't talk to her don't do this nothing like that no we weren't given that it's just I'm not gonna spend like I think even though I have those opinions on her and this is the problem I have with like celebrity cultures even though I have those opinions about her I just like don't find it necessary to take it to her unless we're actually in a conversation about it, unless we're actually like being brought up. So I don't know why I as a drag queen would be like, oh, hey, I'm glad everyone's happy that you're here. And I realize that you are trying to do a really good thing for the community right now. But here are my beefs and here's everything you've ever done wrong. So I like it was nice to interact with her. It was nice to see her as a human being. And that's about all I can say. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. When you won, besides the excitement of winning and like 
did you take it to like the deeper meaning? Like you said, like there was a lot of like, you know, black queens on your season. Were you like, was it that part of it? You know, like, I know like, like, you know, like you're very much for the cause, like, you know, Peppermint, Bob, you know, like you don't have to be, but like, was that part of it of like, this means something? Yeah. I mean, and even if I didn't want it to be about that, even if I didn't want to feel like one of the reasons why I won was because I was such a strong black queen. Like it was inherently about that because of the times, because of the fans. Like we were just after all stars and fans were still pissed about the Monet Trinity split. And so they were like going to carry some of that into our season and be like, well, what are you going to do RuPaul? Choose black or choose white, do it. And and honestly, even during the context of the competition, like with there being seven black queens there, like I remember the first week we all got together in a huddle in Untucked and we're like, this is monumentous that we're here and a black queen is going to win this season and we've got to support each other underneath it all. And mind you, a lot of that fell apart in our interpersonal like drama. But when we got to the top, the the top four, I know that like Silky and Akira were both rooting for me over Brooklyn and each other over me. But <laughs> <laughs> but you were being rooted for when it was just the two of you. Yeah, when it came when it came down to the two of us, they were like, "You got to do this for all of the black girls who competed this season." Even though selfishly, I always did it for myself because if I can do it for myself, then I can show other people, like other black kids, other queer kids, that you can do things your way as long as you know how to, like, meet the criteria. As long as you know how to serve it to the table, right. What about, did you get a lot of, like, hate? De- I mean, I know it sounds like you don't care and you've risen above it, but, like, did you get a lot of, like, the online bullying on social media? Yeah. Yes, I did. Uh, I've n- never really made a habit of checking a lot of my D. I I still don't check most of, most of my DMs for that reason, is I don't, like, whether it's positive or negative, I don't think it's healthy for us as human beings to constantly have to be thinking about what 10,000, 100,000, a million people are thinking about what you're doing. It's not healthy, and I'm not going to live my life under a microscope like that, even if I am. <laughs> I'm going to ignore the experiment. That's good. I mean, like a lot of people go there and fall into that trap and then overcome it. So if you've never done it, that's good. It's just, it's not for me, but it's also not for me because like the time where I transitioned out of tying most of my life to social media was in getting ready for my season to air because I knew I'd have to use it in a way to speak to my fans. But I also knew that it couldn't be, it couldn't be my everything because they're going to get real mean and give it. I gave it a little bit of time. I started seeing the mean comments, the mean DMs, the, the like, go kill yourself, the racist slurs. And I was like, you know what? Nope. <laughs> That's good. Some people, it takes years to, like, go through that whole process. So that's good. 
when so when drag race was over and you won was your like did was it literally overnight like your career just skyrocketed bookings money everything I mean, did it feel like it was overnight i mean not after to be that bitch, but i was uh i was booked and blessed before <laughs> before i won and i'd just like to think because that's uh, I'm a I'm a hard ass worker, so the only thing that changed was that everyone now saw me as a winner, and I guess had a reason for for wanting me at their clubs. Like it was validated. That's a, that's fair enough. I mean, like there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, like you were working before. Yeah, I I found out that I had won in the middle of our like season 11 tour and I didn't even get to go home and see my crown and scepter and like do the whole parade until like I had uh, finished that like a month and a half later on another tour. So I did not get to feel like a winner for the longest of times. It was just nice to know that I did it. <laughs> what about things like DragCon? Like, do you get overwhelmed in, like, crowds, like, that big? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, I do. See, uh, I became a drag queen because I like to perform to crowds that big. But to have to perform all day or, like, that For close three with, days. Yeah, for, like, for three days is not... It's not the tea that took all of it, like takes all of my energy. And I mean, I, I like getting to interact with the fans. And so ultimately that's what convinces me to do DragCon is I know it's going to mean something really important and special to the people who can go. But damn, that's draining as fuck. And I just don't care about like looking the most prim, proper, polished. I don't, I, I don't care about like, Oh, am I wearing the most expensive fucking fashion on these days? Because especially after doing the first drag con and putting that much energy and work into it, I was like, no. My, like, if I do drag cons again, I'm going to be who I am. The people who come to see me are going to see me for me. And hopefully we can create a good experience. You should just go casual and just be like, I'm going to, I have like a 15 hour day ahead of me. I'm just going to relax now. Well, and what's frustrating is drag con, I ultimately did get, like uh some some online critique for my shitty shitty looks at one of the drag cons but i like how nobody wanted to talk about the fact that so many other queens like either didn't go for some of the days or went as boys and i'm like so i'm supposed to like be presenting perfection and polish all the time why because i won a crown that i worked for like a year ago Uh uh-uh fuck you guys (laughs) <laughs> seriously seriously As, especially because i was in the middle of touring about to go on to a new tour like people have no concept of how overwhelming it is to try and keep up with all of this and god bless the queens who put all of their work into like looking like perfection all the time but i'm pretty sure i made it clear from the jump that's not me mama <laughs> no, that's not you but that's i mean that's what we love about you <laughs> Do you not like the business aspect of drag? You know, like DragCon is a business, like the tour, like you just not like dealing with any of that? I mean, it's just not what I'm passionate about. It's what I understand that I need to do if I want the privilege of being able to be an artist 
because like unfortunately we don't live in Candyland, and i can't just survive off of cotton candy and dreams like unfortunately uh, not <laughs> but no i'm not passionate about being a business person <laughs> i mean listen most amazingly creative people are not what about i read somewhere online like you got criticism when you decided that you weren't going to do selfies anymore and i know it was because like you were exhausted after the tour after performing and it was and i also want to talk about like living with heads like just from what people don't know about it can you tell us about that i mean we saw that a little bit on both seasons the vegas especially mm -hmm. i mean uh, uh oh living living with eds in general ha has made a lot of like my daily tasks a struggle and it's made doing drag harder and harder over time i'm to the point where i've noticed i can't like stand still in heels anymore i'm like always like wobbling or shaking in my joints so uh, that's there's hard. a lot there's a lot that I think people don't realize go into it because of that specific condition. But even if I was a perfectly 100% healthy, like normal human being, I just started to get over very quickly people crossing the boundaries of my humanity and taking away my humanity because they want idol worship, because they want to feel like positive or some praise or like their day got made like how or uh, or more often than not so that they can flaunt that they saw a famous person mm -hmm. to their to their friend like if our meeting was really that impactful and if it was really that important on like for your life then it shouldn't matter whether or not you get to post it on your Instagram, Facebook, bullshit, whatever. Like, it should be something that's there with you that you could write about. And I was sick of people crossing my personal boundaries. Like, I got followed back to, or me and the, the other season 11 girls got followed back to the, our hotel we were at. And people were hiding behind shrubs 10 minutes after I had politely told them no photos. So that's where that came from was me being sick of like dealing with people who weren't going to act polite when I'm politely telling you no. And also this is a part of my job. If I really meant that much to you, you wouldn't come up after I clocked out like when I've got makeup crusted down my eyes and I'm half dead from throwing my body on the ground for your ass. You wouldn't do that because it's disrespectful. We don't do that to chefs. We don't do that to like your, your like, you, you don't do that to anybody. Like that's rude. And if you're one of those types of people who think is, thinks it's okay to ask like anybody for free shit for whatever reason, you better have a really good relationship with them or you better be good at sucking dick. <laughs> those are two good things and let's face it most of the people i imagine that come up to you don't even want the interaction they don't even want to say hi how are you great they literally just want to push you out of the way and say look up here well and yeah and that was just like the grossest thing to me is like i'm really glad that you do get to like be impacted by drag and i'm glad that you get to experience drag with some people who you may never have thought you would see in your life. 
but wouldn't you actually rather cherish a moment with them? Wouldn't you rather maybe go down in their memory? Like if, if, if I got to meet somebody who was important to me, I'd want to create a really important interaction with them that would be the basis for a future of important interactions with them. Not a, oh my God, take a photo. Okay, thanks. Like what? What? Fuck that fake clout bullshit. Like that's all it is. It's just people trying to use me as a tool to inflate their own egos. And I don't care because I don't need that from you. Yeah, that's... It's all about posting it on the gram. That's what they want it for. So that doesn't say anything about like you. So I would agree with that. What about Vegas? How was Vegas? Like you said, it was cut short. Uh, It was really uh, sad that it was cut short because it was the first time since Drag Race and probably the first time in my whole life I had had a really healthy balance of being able to work and perform regularly and do drag regularly, but also have the feeling of like a home life and get get to put work back into not only my drag, but loving myself, like taking care of myself, eating right, like, like exercise to some extent. <laughs> like it must've been nice to not travel, right? Like you were gonna settle into Vegas, like home yeah. life. Yeah, exactly. And like traveling is amazing if you get to really soak in the experience. But I would I would like a healthier balance of travel in my life than just like new plane, new night every night if I if if I really wanna be happy. Right. Like waking up and being like, What city are we in and what time do we rehearse? Yeah, what at what time do I leave? Where do I go after here? Like I don't know. It was just nice to have that stability and also still get to put on a really great show and change people's lives. That makes sense. So you seems like you never changed. Do you think some of the girls changed after drag race? Like, do you, did it go to, like, does it go to a lot of people's heads? Like I know it didn't with yours, you have a different relationship, a healthy relationship with celebrity culture, but like, did you see a change of like some of these girls, like even people that start now after you, like after your season? Or after Drag Race, they're like, I don't even recognize you? Uh, no, but that's because I think people are, maybe it's just because I feel very, like people are transparent about their intentions. But you can tell what people want out of what they, what they make of their time on Drag Race, what they do with their platform, like how they interact with people. So I've personally never been shocked by anybody who's like changed or become bougie because i'm like no bitch they were probably always like that they just had had different intentions what about so now that you're in colorado and we're all trapped in like you're with your boyfriend right Mm -hmm. so that's that's going well right didn't you just celebrate do you celebrate your one year anniversary or am i just making that up i mean we yeah we celebrated one year like half a year ago oh that's okay. still you know it's still worth it i'm like okay so i'm like we're, a few a few months behind yeah we're we're at our solid one and a half which i hear is the tin anniversary <laughs> in the gay culture that's you know that's so that's good right <laughs> and you try to keep that you know besides the fact that your boyfriend got all these followers you guys you know you have like your private life so that's good yeah, and what's really healthy about it is that we do have 
areas that we meet on and that like we come together with and for but ultimately he's his own person like he's in law school right now working a bunch and I'm working on myself and I never feel like I have to be lesser do less or not be myself to be with him that's good so what is next for you like what are you doing during quarantine what is next on the agenda for you um well during quarantine I've had time to really kind of explore different avenues and shift gears I got to make my uh put some really serious work into my debut album drag trap and honestly it it just felt so good to make music that i think that's kind of what i'd like to pursue some more how did drag trap come about um i had been writing all of these songs and ideas uh ever since the final four challenge on RuPaul's Drag Race, that Queens Everywhere challenge. And I I didn't know if I was ever going to manifest them into being something, but when quarantine happened, it really gave me, like I said, the time and space to pursue whatever avenues I wanted to, and therefore put some hard-ass work into this first album. Did you always want to do music? Like, was there always a part of you that wanted to do music? Um, I think deep down, yes, but I also feel like having seen so many drag race girls like come out with like a gay bop saying their their favorite drag race quotes right after uh, made me nervous and may have dissuaded me because I don't want to be like I don't want to make music for the sake of having made music. I want to make music that I really enjoy. I don't want my music to be like an extension of my merch or my business. I want it to be something that I like doing and hopefully that has a point of view that other people can get with. Did rap come natural to you? I mean, it's it's what I've been doing for so long. I've always I've always sang and I've always rapped, but as far as rapping, it just felt like the right transition for me especially since I have a lot to say and there's no better way to say it than just literally spitting your bars. <laughs> I would just think rap would be so hard. I mean, maybe, maybe for some, but at least for me, I didn't have to like worry about like keeping in tune or in pitch or anything. It was just like making sure I get my voice across, making sure I'm using words that I want to use. And I like it because for me, it's like poetry, but, made fun so like I, I get to write these poems that otherwise would just sit in in my journal and my diary until I die and I get to put them to a beat that hopefully people can shake their ass to <laughs> did, you, did you like how does it work like when you make an album like did you you know like did you have to eliminate tracks like did you have just like how do you choose like what makes the album like what producers to work with I mean it was all an experiment for me just like just like my drag is this was my first time really jumping into making music so I worked with some producers I'd worked worked with before others I just kind of found through friends of friends I worked with a lot of friends on this track and yeah I mean I made half of it in my closet here wow just just 
going over things and trying saying things different ways and trying different beats over and over. Do you have a favorite track on Drag Trap or is that like asking a mother to choose amongst her children? I mean, for me, they're, um, they're all one big child. Like I'm so proud of just having made a full album, like finishing a project. Yeah. Uh, if there's one like lyrically I'm the most proud of, it's Watermelon Bubblegum because I wrote that early on and it's I've just been rewriting it and rewriting it and it took me so long to be able to deliver it. So. <laughs> I love it. And where can people find this album? They can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, wherever you get your music, pirate it, download it, buy it from the back of a, a trunk outside of Walmart. <laughs> Everyone needs to get it. <laughs> and is there anything else you want to leave us with? Anything I didn't bring up? I like to give people a chance at the end. Maybe I had my own like avenue. Like, Is there anything that you want to discuss that I did not touch upon? I mean, I just want people to be good to each other, good enough, hopefully going this next year, and not be afraid to explore things that would scare you. That means people, places, and ideas. So just just be open-minded and be good. <laughs> I love it. You're so positive. You're so happy. We need more of that in the world. It's because I'm stoned. <laughs> well, that helps too, you know? That helps too. Where can everyone find you online? Even though you don't check DMs, where can everyone find you? Um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Oddly Evie. You can check out my YouTube at Evie Oddly. Um, and everyone you needs can... to get the album. Yeah, and just listen, listen to my album. Tell me, tell me what you like. Tell me what you hate. Maybe I'll check those DMs. Who knows? <laughs> well, I will DM you. We'll keep in touch. I really appreciate you taking your time. I know you're busy. You've got a lot going on, but I really enjoyed this chat. I really appreciate you taking your time. Thank you. So did I. I hope you have a bomb rest of your day. I will have a bomb rest of my day. Enjoy being high. Enjoy your Colorado morning kind of almost afternoon and keep in touch for real. I really appreciate it. Sounds lovely. Thank you again. Thank you, Evie. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, 
and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.